0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: An eviction on record can be like a scarlet letter. If you want to move somewhere, you can. But is the push to erase that record fair to landlords? One year is just way too short for anybody that wants to look at public records plus a window installer under fire by consumers.
0: I would never recommend them to anybody. They're a terrible company.
1: The local company now under investigation.
2: From the Fox 6 studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson, and I'm joined once again by our Contact 6 consumer reporter, Jenna Sachs. Hi, Jenna.
1: Hello, Brian.
2: We are recording this episode on Wednesday, April 20th for release on Thursday, April 21st. Contact Six has done a lot of reporting on evictions over the last few years. You've been on here on the podcast talking about this a number of times. You've talked about the moratoriums on evictions during the pandemic, rental assistance, the number of court cases after the moratorium was lifted. This is a whole new topic, and it has to do with eviction records and how long they stay on your record and the impact on the tenant's ability to find a new home, but what what brought this all about?
1: So there is a group in Wisconsin called Legal Action of Wisconsin, and it provides free legal services to low-income people, and often that means taking on their eviction cases. And recently, Legal Action filed a petition with the Wisconsin Supreme Court saying that it wants to reduce the retention period for most eviction records to one year. Now, right now, circuit court clerk's offices Hold on to these records for 20 years. So, one year versus 20 years. And legal action argues that having an eviction on your record can really impact housing options for a family for decades to come and really limit them to living in certain areas. It argues that these uh, records can reinforce segregation. We know this is an issue Milwaukee has struggled with, and they can disproportionately impact people of color and single mothers, saying, unfortunately, the face of eviction is often single black mothers. So legal action argues it's unfair to these people because eviction records don't detail the circumstances surrounding the eviction and what caused it. They're limited in that way. And some of these records that remain for a period of time were actually dismissed as well. So legal action wants to reduce the record retention period to one year to hopefully make it easier for people to find housing after eviction.
2: We're going to talk a little bit about the face behind this. You interviewed someone for this story, but when you just said that right now they stay on the record for 20 years and legal action wants to swing the pendulum all the way to just one year. That's a pretty drastic change, isn't it?
1: Right. Most eviction records are accessible at your county clerk's office for 20 years, you can go down there and request them. There is sometimes a difference between how long records are retained by the courts and what shows up on CCAP, which is the Wisconsin Circuit Court access website, which anyone including landlords can easily use and search for records. And dismissed eviction cases remain on CCAP for two years Cases where a writ was issued to the sheriff's department to enforce that eviction or were not dismissed, those appear on CCAP also for 20 years. So legal action is going after the records retained by the clerk's office, which are essentially the source of the information being uploaded into CCAP. So without those records being retained for 20 years, they can't be uploaded and remain on CCAP and as easily accessible as they are for as long as they currently do.
2: So the cases that as it stands now, cases that are dismissed are gone in two years from CCAP. And it it would seem to me that most landlords aren't taking the trip down to the county courthouse every time they're looking at a prospective tenant to look up those records. So what's on CCAP is what's going to matter in most of these cases. If it's been dismissed, you can understand that someone they weren't found or, you know, they weren't found to have done whatever was necessary or or, or warranted an eviction. So a, a two year track record is a little different than 20 for sure but they're talking about reducing it to one even for those where the eviction went through. Is that right?
1: Yes, that is correct. Yep, and we spoke with the Apartment Association of Southeast Wisconsin for this story for the landlord's perspective, and he, said, the, the individual we spoke with, his name is Chris Mokler. he said, no, they don't support this. They feel one year is too short. Um, Mokler said, eviction records are an important tool for landlords because it tells them if there are past issues with a tenant they're considering. And he argues you can't see trends in one year of records. And landlords deserve to know if there's a pattern of eviction because landlords in general don't like evictions. They are expensive and time consuming. And many landlords in our state run small operations with maybe just a handful of units and unpaid rent to them can be a real hardship. So he says at the end of the day, they want a quality tenant who they can have a good relationship with. And he understands, In cases where an eviction is dismissed, yes, that record can disappear after a couple of years. He understands that. But he says when it comes to records where evictions had a writ issued, meaning the sheriff's office got that order to evict, he thinks those should remain for at least a few years. He said they're actually not against reducing the amount of time these evictions remain on record because he understands life-altering events can happen, but he says one year is too short. So they plan to file a memorandum with the Supreme Court arguing one year is not enough time to see if there's a pattern of eviction and arguing that any changes should go through the legislature and not the court system.
2: Obviously, legal action is trying to stand up for and help the people like the the gentleman you interviewed for this story, Larry Jones. Tell me about Larry and his experience.
1: Larry uh, was evicted in June of 2021. In our story, we didn't go into the reasons for his eviction uh, because it's not really what we're focusing on here. We're focusing on the implications of having the eviction on your record. And I can tell you, Contact 6 in general does not cover a lot of specific eviction cases because one reason is they're often very much a he said, she said situation, but there was a contentious relationship with his landlord. Larry says this was his first eviction. He has no other evictions on record in Wisconsin. And as a result of this eviction, he was homeless in Milwaukee for eight months and he lived in his car. During that entire time, he parked it in his mother's driveway sometimes. Sometimes he parked it on the street and he slept in his vehicle almost every night and said he felt unsafe, but he could not find another apartment at all and he said some landlords when he applied said no evictions in the last 10 years and he said oh my gosh i have an eviction this year am i not going to find a home for 10 years so it was a very difficult period for him and eventually he had to sell the car he was living in to have enough money to put down a large down payment on his apartment that he currently has and he plans to stay there for a long time
2: So in his view, and and from his perspective, he's waiting, how long is it gonna take this to fall off my record so I can start renting again? Even though he has no track record, this isn't a pattern of behavior on his part. He's saying this affected him immediately, and now he's waiting for that to fall off. When can I get back to just renting again, right?
1: Right. He had, I will say, a contentious relationship with his landlord. He argues that the landlord was not fair to him. But again, we didn't get into that side of it for the story. But there was no pattern of eviction that we could see. And, you know, legal action spoke about people being limited to certain neighborhoods in Milwaukee and the segregation that can cause. But Larry says he couldn't find anywhere in Milwaukee that would take him for eight months.
2: So you obviously have landlords who want to be able to see this track record. You have tenants who have been through, what, for whatever reason, been through the eviction process and are concerned. D- does it, do you get a sense there's any kind of a compromise or a happy medium here? Where is, where is this going right now?
1: Well, there is a really big difference between one year and 20 years. And it sounds like Legal action wants to reduce the amount of time, obviously, but at the same time, the Apartment Association is saying we're okay with that, but not one year. Maybe something larger than one year, but we understand, you know, maybe we should reduce it from 20 because maybe 20 is too long a time period. I mean, who's the same person they are today that they were 20 years ago? Um, So there may be a happy medium here. I don't know if the Supreme Court will find that or accept one year or deny one year but this is very early um, in the process it'll probably be months before the supreme court reviews legal actions petition and until then various groups are going to have the opportunity to file their support or opposition with the supreme court for their review so it's something we're going to continue to watch but we probably won't see action you know a denial or acceptance of this petition for some time
2: From a window of time to windows in your home, uh, that's another story you've been working on, Jenna. And uh, this is one that has gotten a lot of consumers frustrated. Windows Select, a Menominee Falls window installer, getting a lot of heat from its customers and from the Better Business Bureau. What's causing all of these complaints?
1: Well, a lot of people we're hearing from ordered windows or doors back in late spring or summer of 2021, and then their installation dates were repeatedly pushed back. So some people have been waiting eight months or so past their tentative installation dates. We're also hearing complaints about financing, saying money for their projects has been withdrawn for work that hasn't started yet. Um, And also we've been getting complaints from customers just saying they feel like this company is being disingenuous with them, lying to them about the reasons for their delays. A lot of people have said to us, we understand there are supply chain issues and that COVID happened and that disrupted things, but we feel like this goes beyond those reasons and it it is just bad business operations. So over the last year, Contact 6 has gotten 31 complaints about this business. The state has 43 complaints and the Better Business Bureau has more than 180, um, which Seems like quite a high number, actually.
2: Well, and these, are, these aren't these are $5, you know, uh, transactions. These are significantly expensive transactions.
1: Right. We have heard from people saying they lost more than $10,000, more than $15,000. So this is not a small amount of money. I spoke with a man for my story who recently retired and sold his business. And he used the money from selling his business to make some investments in his home, including getting some new doors. He was replacing 70-year-old doors in his home. And that was not a small chunk of money for him. It's not for most people. So we're dealing with large amounts of money, which is why people are, are quite frustrated and angry that these installations haven't happened.
2: You hear from consumers who have complaints and they tell you about their experience with a company, but then you often get to sort of see for yourself what the interaction is like with a company. Maybe they completely shut you down. Maybe they try really hard and are very sincere. What was your experience in your interaction with Window Select?
1: Well, Contact Six has a unique position because we take complaints through our process and we try to resolve them off air as well as on air so over the last year we've been getting complaints pretty consistently about Windows select and i will say Windows select has been responsive to contact six it has consistently called viewers after they submitted complaints with us it showed interest in resolving their complaints and in that time period at least 18 customers had their windows installed after writing to us often at discount Some of them said to us, yes, it was resolved, but I still dislike this company. I feel they treated me badly, but this case has been closed. Three people told us they got full refunds and others are still waiting. And at one point the owner did make a spreadsheet for us of each case and how they were addressing it. And often at Contact 6, the businesses we choose to report on are the ones who don't respond to us. They don't show concern for the consumer. They don't offer explanations. Sometimes they disappear into thin air. In this case, we had a business that was responding to us. But after a while, the number of complaints themselves became the story because they showed a trend. And consumers were saying, yes, this was a horrific experience. And we just felt like we had to move forward with an on-air report because something was going on there that led to these complaints continuing to come in. Um, So then we decided we had to do this report. We spoke with some customers and it aired this week. And you know, it's interesting, this business is less than three years old. We've been getting complaints over the last year and this business does a lot of um, work in the area. We're talking about millions of dollars in business. And I will say maybe well, they, one have key- a, they
2: have a familiar jingle. I mean, I've heard their radio ads. This isn't a fly by night. Nobody knows them company. This is a well-known business.
1: Yes, they have a lot of name recognition in the area. And one key moment for me was when I spoke with one of their suppliers who confirmed to me that Windows Select was misleading consumers, telling them that manufacturing delays were to blame when this supplier says it was actually Windows Select's unpaid invoices. He said that the the supplier had these windows, they were ready to go and Window Select wasn't paying for them, so they weren't providing them to Windows Select. So that was a, a moment for us where we thought, Okay, you know, this, this This is an example of how consumers were being misled. We have a supplier on record saying this is how it happened. And that same supplier said, you know, that Windows Select is now back in their good standing with them. They've paid their bills, they're current on their bills. And he thought this story may have been blown out of proportion a bit. Uh, But the consumers who have reached out to contact six certainly don't think so.
2: Well, let me let's talk about those consumers because you talk to some. and, And when you hear from people, it's one thing to talk in the aggregate there's this number of complaints or whatever, but when you meet some of these people, what well, was there a story that stood out to you of someone you could really relate to? You say, boy, I can, I can imagine what a frustrating time this has been.
1: Well, everyone I met was so nice and everybody's story was compelling because we're dealing with a lot of money. I, I told you about Michael Sugden. He's the gentleman who retired. He spent $11,000 on new windows and he said, I had the money and I didn't want to deal with financing. So I just paid for the entire project up front." and here we are um, eight months after his installation date and his doors haven't been installed. I also spoke with a couple, Linda and Jeff Schenk and Jackson. They spent $17,000 on replacing windows throughout their house. And again, the company just continued to push their installation date back month to month. And at one point, Windows Select actually gave the Shanks a refund check and a signed document at their request saying you can cash this check if your windows are not installed by the middle of March. And at the end of March, the Shanks went ahead and they cashed that check as the contract said they could. And Windows Select stopped the payment. They went to the bank and the bank told them there was nothing they could do. And when they called Windows Select, it said, you know, um, there was an issue in the accounting department. We'll write you a check for the entire amount again and you can cash it. But we need you to sign a statement saying you won't post any bad reviews about us. And the woman, Linda, said, I can't do that in good conscience. I feel the need to share with others about my experience, so I I can't sign that statement. Which
2: really takes something, because I know you've dealt many times over the years with consumers who had compelling stories to tell to warn others about a company that wasn't operating maybe above board, and then when the time came to tell that story, they get that last-minute payoff that says, take the money, but only if you agree not to go on the air and talk about these things or not to to post reviews. So sometimes that, that is a way that a company can sort of silence that negative... Uh, feedback. Um, In this case, she felt on principle, I mean, that was a big dollar amount to say no to, but she felt on principle she had to share her story.
1: Yeah, it is something we hear about at Contact 6. You know, sometimes we're working with someone toward a resolution, and then all of a sudden they stop communicating with us. And if we follow up, maybe they'll tell us they signed some sort of document. Maybe they'll tell us, you know, off the record that it was resolved, but they weren't supposed to talk about it. So that can be frustrating for us. Um, because I I feel like if a a company is transparent, they maybe don't need to do that, right? They don't need to make their um, customers sign something saying that they won't post a negative review or they'll remove their reviews. I think that you'd need to stand by your work, but you know, that's my opinion.
2: I'm sure that the window installation industry is a competitive one and, and so obviously negative reviews can be hurtful and all those sort of things, but it also stands out to me that the When they say that there's an issue with delays in, you know, supply chain and things like that, that's true on the global scale. We know there are supply chain issues, but that would mean that would be affecting all of the window installation companies. And I just wonder, are you seeing patterns of complaints like this with other companies?
1: No. No, we weren't. Not to this extent. And I will say it's not unusual for us to get a complaint about a window company, but 31 is a high number for us, and that is why we moved ahead with this report. Um, And I will say, to give the Better Business Bureau credit, they revoked this company's accreditation and gave them an F rating back in October, saying they were getting complaints about windows that weren't installed or weren't installed properly, and also complaints about financing from people saying they were signing documents saying the windows were on their way or were delivered when they weren't, and that released the financing and they had to start paying interest on it. And the BBB said the business just wasn't responding to them in an ethical way, so they made the decision to issue those alerts.
2: Well, and I know with the way the BBB works, and in many ways, Contact 6 is similar. Sometimes it's the way a business communicates and and makes attempts to resolve things, their level of transparency that can go a long way toward how trustworthy they, they appear to be. When the BBB is giving an F rating, it means we just don't trust this business to be transparent, which is sort of ironic when you're talking about Windows.
1: Right. And I would never go with a business, from my perspective as a consumer reporter, I would never go with a business that doesn't have a high rating with the Better Business Bureau. Sometimes it takes the BBB a moment to catch up with an issue. If if it hasn't been reported to them, they may not be aware that the rating should be lower. But when the rating is low, I think that's definitely something consumers should pay attention to.
2: And it is time for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more casual, have a little fun by answering a question for which we have not prepared. As always, here to ask us that question is executive producer, Sarah Smith. Hey, Sarah.
0: Hello, hello. Okay, today we are uh, talking about things that are overused. So my question today is, what phrase or word needs to be banned because it is overused? I'm not saying necessarily in Writing, news writing, or anything. I'm just saying, in general, you know, do you pass people, or you know, at a store or something, and you're like, "Oh, if I hear that one more time."
2: I think there's a bunch of them because there's there's all these like sort of the 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 slang things that the young kids are saying that I'm not in on, but then you just hear them over you're and over hip. again. And <laughs> well, I mean, I'm hip. Like, yeah. okay, that that was overused. F- 30, 40 years ago. <laughs>
1: You're like, hip. You know. Wait, right The Wait, clip that part. Yeah. Right. No, I'm hip. I'm hip. I'm hip. I'm hip. We've had discussions about the use of K, right? And KK. Ooh. Like the, the texting oh overuse and how we're just not yes. fans of seeing K. KK is a response the to it. KK a... literally kills me. Yeah. Um, the other
0: one that I have a real hard time with is if I'm like, hey, how's it going? And someone goes, living the dream. Oh, man. <gasps> all
2: the time.
0: I dislike that with a Passion of a Thousand songs. I'm not
2: trying to throw her under the bus, but you know who just said that to me yesterday afternoon and immediately came to mind you, when you said it, was Mary Stoker-Smith. I saw her in, the, <laughs> in, in in my office. She popped back and I was like, hey, Mary, how's it going? She's like, living the dream. And that just immediately what popped into my head.
0: I just, like, I, I get it. Like, you're probably being sarcastic, but also, like, find something else. I don't
2: know. I, for me, I, I mean, you know, we're just going to get into, like, lots of cliches. Like, the, it is what it is is obviously a big one. But am guilty
0: of that one. I know. I <laughs> I say that, too. But but sometimes it literally just is what it is. See?
2: <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. It's, um, it's so ubiquitous now. I'll make now. the case
0: for that one. Um, but you're not wrong. But
2: the, the one that actually drives me crazy, and this isn't spoken, it's typed. And I don't know why it drives me as crazy as it does. But it's on social media when people post something or share something or something, retweet something that they like, and they just say This. This drives <laughs> me crazy. It's, it's not a yes. sentence. It's not a sentence. And I know no. that makes me sound like an it's, old man. Well, it's like because an Because you don't speak in full sentences on social media or type in full sentences. But I don't know why that one gets me.
0: I also don't care for when people post something that they're like, looking for restaurant recommendations in and around Phil and City. And they go, and, and go.
2: go. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what it is? This isn't, it's not this. It's so much this. So much this drives me nuts. I just can't.
0: With some finger emojis pointing down. did you down? hear me?
2: I just did one in responding to that. I said, I just can't. That's another one. I just yeah, can't. I just can't. I just can't.
1: You know, I feel like I do a lot of these things sometimes where, like, I don't know how to end a conversation or my point. So I'll say something like, so it goes. Like, you know, I just say stuff like that to just wrap it up because I don't know how else to end what I'm saying. So I feel like I say, or oh, it is what it is, you know, that kind of stuff. I just yeah. don't know how to stop talking sometimes without a cliche. I, I know. But I, <laughs> it's like awkward filler. <laughs> I'll tell my kids
0: a lot, too. Like, if they're doing something that I'm like, you know what, that's probably not going to work out for you, I'll always just go, you do you. I mm-hmm. mean, and I say it a lot. That's a super overused in my vocabulary.
1: I will tell you, in my house, what's overused is children and potty talk. I can't, I can't handle it. <laughs> The amount of potty talk in my house and no matter what I do I cannot stop Poopy it. Poopy face and I,
2: things like that or what?
1: Yep all that kind of stuff I don't even want to I don't even want to say it yeah. but it just gets under my skin and they think it's so funny and I can't silence I it know. and the more I try I feel like the more they like it so if I could get kids to stop talking about their poops. I, I try to tell the kids like or
0: uh, Quinn my do- my nine-year-old less but like My five-year-old, who will be six on Friday, is very much in that phase. And so I'm always like, dude, this can't, I don't want you saying this stuff at school. Mm -hmm. Like, we have to kind of not say it in the house, you know, like every once in a while. Because some of the stuff is kind of (laughs) funny, like I'm 14. (laughs) But, you know, for the most part, yeah, we have the same problem. This might be
2: my personal sensitivity just because I do these things a lot. So it's said to me, but I feel like anything that is sort of a, A quirky observation or a funny play on words is now a dad joke. Everything is a dad joke. (laughs) They're not necessarily dad jokes. They're just jokes. But anything that's a roll your eyes kind of thing is a dad joke. I think dad joke is overused.
1: I kind of like the dad jokes. Like the guy who who walks away and says, don't do anything I would. I like the jokes.
2: It's the dismissal of the jokes that, oh, dad joke, because I get that from my kids constantly. And I'm like, well, I am a dad, and that was a joke, and it was actually pretty funny. So
0: it makes sense. Yeah. And why can't it be a mom joke? Like, I like those things, too. Yeah, our mom's
2: not funny. Our moms our moms, <laughs> moms are the serious ones. They have to do all the important things. Dads are just cracking jokes all the time. Yeah. I'll
0: just take my white New Balance uh, shoes and go home.
2: So from now on, we're having, adding a new segment to the podcast, and it's going to be dad joke of the week. I'm bringing it in. If you have a topic you would like us to discuss on Open Record, a dad joke you'd like me to tell, (laughs) an issue you think we should investigate for Fox 6 News, a saying you're sick of hearing, send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. That is fox6investigators at fox.com. Jenna, thanks for being on the podcast again.
1: Of course. Always happy to be.
2: As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, and Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. With that, I'm Brian Polson. We'll be back again next week.